Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Daddy, we love you. Lord, you're so good. You're so kind. Father, help us to truly understand what you've done for us. Lord, I pray for supernatural power to understand your love. Lord, it is better than life. Father, we need your grace. Lord, we don't want to just hear words and have them bounce off. And we don't want to just hear words and go, oh, that's nice. We want to really, Lord, see this word take root in our hearts and bear fruit. God, I ask that people hearing this, Lord, would receive it with joy, that the the seed of your word would go down deep and produce a harvest. Lord, that people would be saved and healed and delivered as they hear this. Father, I'm asking for your truth, Lord, your word not to return to you void, but to accomplish what you send it forth to do. Lord, I thank you that your word is quick and powerful. Lord, it is life. It is life to us. And Lord, we thank you that you bring life out of this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I've just been working my way through the book of Romans um, for the joy of it. And I, I also was enjoying Colossians this morning and even some Philemon, which was lovely. But the gospel all the way through this book is so clear, backing itself up so powerfully, the message of what has been accomplished in the new covenant. And it is so beautiful when you read and you feast on the word of God and enjoy it. It's just um, such an encouragement. I was praying some of the, I love to pray some of the apostolic prayers out of um, Colossians just knowing the will of God, which is so clearly revealed here for us in the Word of God and and praying that Word, praying the Word of God, declaring it, which is so powerful. And we've been talking about what it looks like to um, agree with heaven and what heaven is saying about us. We know that the Holy Spirit is interceding through us in perfect harmony with the will of the Father. Hallelujah. He's, uh, that Jesus is continually interceding for us, continually praying for us. And all of this isn't them begging God to do something for us. They're actually together as a family declaring in unity the will of God, the will of uh, heaven for our lives here on earth. And so we can, I like to imagine what it might look like. I don't, think it, I don't think Jesus is up there saying, oh, please help Catherine. She really needs help this week. I know she needs help a lot, but like just, you know, just this week, if you could really just really give us some help. She needs some wisdom. Um, I, I don't think they're coming with an attitude of trying to twist the Father's arm because they're praying, the Bible says, in accordance with the will of the Father. So they're just declaring what God already has in it, what the Father already has in his heart, and they're, de- they're declaring, thank you, thank you, Lord. Isn't it exciting, Father, that this week you've laid up good works in advance for that one to do? I'm so excited that you've uh, purchased salvation for them, that I thank you that you put your faith in their hearts. Help them to wake up and recognize what's in there. And uh, we, we pray in accordance with the will of the Father. We're not praying as orphans on the outside, but as people who have been joined with him. Hallelujah. 
And God wants us to pray like he prays, like he declares in heaven. He wants us to say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, fully aware of the will of God. But looking here in Romans 9, I've, I was just reading through. I'm gonna start at verse 25. It says here, remember the prophecy God gave in Hosea. To those who are rejected and not my people, I will say to them, you are mine. And to those who are unloved, I will say, you are my darling. And in the place where they were told, you are nobody, this will be the very place where they will be renamed children of the living God. Oh, this is the heart of the Father for us. He is looking for us to experience and know what it looks like to be loved. He doesn't want us just to have a theoretical understanding that we're loved. He wants us to know and experience that we are so accepted. We are, we are, um, we've been brought right in. We're not just tolerated. We're not given a badge that says you're accepted. We're actually, the word accepted means we've been brought right in. You are family, family. Like that, that's as close as it gets. No, you're not technically okay because you're a part of this. You know, we'll, we'll let you be here. It's a love that is beyond our capacity as humans to, to fully comprehend. And so he wants to give us power to be able to experience this love that passes human knowledge. That's another prayer we can pray in Ephesians. That we know this amazing love because he wants us to be so filled with his love that it casts out all fear. And he did all of this because he was wanting to have family. He wanted to have relationship. The whole message of the gospel is based around the, this one truth, that we would be reconciled to God, that we would be able to be with him. You know, on the day that Jesus was crucified, when he died, there was an earthquake. The, the, the sky went black and the veil in the temple, this big veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the, uh, uh, the inner court was split in two. And that was a, a very important picture because what Jesus did was he made a way for us to be able to boldly come right into the holiest of holies, right in with him. We can boldly approach the throne of grace. We can come before the Lord. We don't have to go through any ritual to get to him. He's made a way now by the great grace of God that we can come right in. And he, in fact, he says, if you believe in Jesus, you are crucified with him, buried with him, and raised up with him. You are now seated with him in heavenly places. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and you are seated with him. Like you are right there, as close as it comes, because of what Jesus has done. And this is the, the delight of the Father. This was the joy that was set before Jesus when he went to the cross. The joy that he had was that I'm gonna to get to be with them. We're gonna be able to have fellowship. They're not gonna to have to wake up on their own ever again. Hallelujah. 
They're not gonna ever have to feel by themselves. I'm gonna be able to talk with them. They're gonna be able to hear my voice. They're gonna be able to talk to me. We are gonna have forever fellowship, more intimate, more glorious than any human relationship could ever be. I am gonna get to be with them so they will never be alone. And this is the the beauty, this is the whole purpose of this gospel. Because you read all through the book of Romans, you read through the book of Colossians, you read through the whole gospel. In fact, the whole book from beginning to end, and it's all about righteousness. What is this? Why is it so important that we have righteousness? Well, the Bible tells us that no one can see God without holiness. We can't be joined to God without holiness. And so forever, people have been, since the existence of man and, and the fall of mankind, people have been working to try to be holy enough and yet have never been able to make themselves as holy as God. Hebrews 12, 14 says this, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And so people have tried. They've tried to be holy. They've tried to be righteous. They've, and yet the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That God is light and light can have no fellowship with darkness. And so there was this disconnect. So God would make a way for once a year for um, uh, sacrifices to be made for sin, but it would only cover the sin. And, and still the people couldn't approach him directly. And, and yet the, the yearning heart of God was that a way would be made that they could truly have clean hearts that instead of being stained by sin, that he could come and take it all away and transfer his perfect righteousness to us. Hallelujah. So I want to keep reading here. It says here in um, verse 30, so what does all this mean? Basically, previous to this, um, he's talking about how Israel was offered this gift of righteousness by faith and yet they rejected it. Um, It doesn't mean that God has rejected Israel. It means that during this time when many have have said, no, I don't like the sound of that, that doesn't seem right to me, and they've rejected the Messiah. God has, has, in the midst of that rejection, uh, poured grace out on the whole world, reconciling the whole world, saying, come, 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 everyone come. And then it says in Romans 11, if their rejection of God resulted in grace being poured out all over the world, what's it gonna be like when they are reconciled to God? The glory and the resurrection power of God's gonna be poured out all over the world. It's so exciting. Um, God's an optimist, hallelujah. He's so excited about the, the power of the gospel to bring people to salvation. He really wants to see people come to Christ. So it says, though, what does all this mean? Here's the irony. The non-Jewish people who weren't even pursuing righteousness were the ones who seized it. A perfect righteousness that's translated by faith. Yet Israel, even though pursuing a legal righteousness, did not attain to it. And why was that? Because they didn't pursue the path of faith but insisted on pursuing righteousness by works, as if it could be seized another way. They were offended by the means of obtaining it and stumbled over the stumbling stone, 
just as it's written, be careful, I'm setting in Zion a stone that will cause people to stumble, a rock of offense that will make them fall, but believers in him will not experience shame. What it's saying here is that they were trying to find a way to God that just didn't have to involve Jesus. You know, I hear that a lot these days. People say, well, you know, why, why is your way the only way? Surely there are many ways to God. I, I hear people say this. And this is the thinking that's being described here. They're looking for another way. Maybe if I could live a good life. If I live a good life, I'm sure. I, I believe there's a supreme being. Maybe if I live a good life, I'm pretty sure that, you know, I'll do okay in the afterlife. People think this, but this is addressed really specifically here. People have tried this for centuries and centuries and centuries and yet have not been able to measure up to the standard of God. And that's not because God is, is trying to make it difficult, but it's because what he has done has made it so simple that it's offensive to people that it's like, this, is, this doesn't seem fair. You mean if you've been a really bad person, done all sorts of terrible things, and you come and you say, all right, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He died, he rose again, and, and that he, he became sin so I could become righteous. Okay, well, here's everything I've ever done. I, I give it to you, and by faith I receive your righteousness in exchange. Woohoo! Thank you, I believe I get a new heart. I'm clean, I'm holy, hooray. And it just doesn't seem fair, particularly to the older brothers that have been working all the time trying to do well, if you know the story of the prodigal son. It's, this is offensive. What do you mean? You are righteous now, just like, just like that? Like, just like that? You went from being a sinner to a saint, just like that? Yes, that's, that's the gospel. That's why it's a stumbling stone. But then people say, okay, well, that's a little bit too simplistic because doesn't that mean that if people just say that and say, okay, I believe Jesus, I believe Jesus died, I believe he was the son of God, he rose again, I believe he became sin so I could become righteous, that he wants to give me eternal life and his righteousness. Well, who, having got it, what's to stop them just going and living a life of sin and, um, and then just continually coming and asking because the Bible also tells us that if we do sin, having been made righteous, holy, clean, pure, we still have the capacity to sin. Just as Adam, when he was created, before he sinned, had the capacity to sin, even though he had no sinful nature, we still have a capacity to sin. You have a free will. You can make a choice to sin. So people think, well then, if you just preach the gospel just like this, that you just receive righteousness by faith, aren't people just gonna like, just live sloppy, sinful lives and just keep asking for forgiveness and then just receiving it? Like, what's to stop that? Well, you're not the first one to ask that question either. That's addressed earlier in Romans. Well, should we just keep sinning? Like, well, okay, well, yeah, sounds like a good deal. We'll just ask for forgiveness, done. We'll just do whatever we like. You know, people think like that. But the truth is, righteousness, righteousness isn't a badge that we get 
because we need it for the ticket to heaven. Righteousness is the invitation into a love relationship. And what it means is when we receive Christ as Savior, when we receive his righteousness, his free gift of not guilty, forgiven, completely clean, even though I haven't done anything to earn it, I have been made as holy and pure and righteous as God by faith in his grace. (gasps) Having received that, that glorious gift of righteousness, I now have been given a new heart, a clean heart. He was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. Transgressions meaning sin, iniquities meaning crookedness. He took my crookedness, gave me a new heart, hooray. But he then, in this, has invited me into his family, into his kingdom. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's a wonderful thing. And righteousness is the key to living in peace and the key to living in joy. When you know you're clean, you have peace and you have joy. You have confidence before God whenever you ask him anything. You haven't got this nagging thought that, ah, what right have you got to ask, you sinner? You've got this holy confidence. I'm loved, I'm accepted. I can ask whatever I want because he's my father. That's Bible too. It says that in First John uh, 3, where if our hearts don't condemn us, whatever we ask, we receive. So this glorious place that we live in, though, is righteousness, peace, and joy. When we sin, if we were to adopt this mentality, okay, the simple gospel is too dangerous to preach because people might just continually you know, go on and just live lives of sin. We miss the understanding that what has happened is that they have been brought into the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy. They've tasted of supernatural peace. (sighs) I'm free, I'm forgiven, I'm loved. When we sin, if we sin, if you do something wrong, your conscience goes off on the inside of you like an alarm bell. Not right, not good, something not good, not good, bad, shouldn't do that, bad, not good, bad, bad. Even if you're going, I like it, I like it, ooh, bad, bad, like it, ooh, bad, bad. No peace. No peace. So the idea of, oh yeah, I'll just take this righteousness thing, I'll have it, yeah, yeah, I'll just keep sinning, is a, is a, ridiculous, a ridiculous concept because it's not the kingdom, it's not living in the peace that you've been destined for. But it's also not, not a, a valid thought because when you receive the gift of righteousness, when you receive the mercy of Christ, you get a new heart. Instead of having a hard heart that wants to sin, you actually don't want to anymore. And when you do, you feel yuck. Yuck, that doesn't fit me anymore. I know that's not who I am. I don't want that. And God says, if you sin, just talk to me about it. Confess your sin. I'm faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He doesn't just cover it. He removes it. If you bring light into a dark room, it doesn't cover the darkness. It dispels it. Just gone. You can't shovel the darkness out. 
Hey, hang on. Hey, don't let the light in yet. Just got to try and get the darkness out. You can't, you can't make it. Oh, no, look, just, just give me a few more minutes. I'm just trying. I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to just, just get some more of this darkness out. doesn't work. The light dispels the darkness. Hallelujah. And so when, when, we're, when we've sinned, we come running to this one who has changed our life track. You see, when you receive Christ as Savior, you are on this track and you get put onto a whole new life track. And so if you sin, you go, burr, 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 no, not good, no peace, no peace, daddy, help me. And he says, come here quick. <sighs> Here's my life. Here's my righteousness. Here's my mercy. You are forgiven. You're righteous. You're holy. I paid for that before you ever did it. You're healed. You're clean. You're holy. No more shame. Where's the sin gone? As far as the east is from the west, it's thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. It is separated from you. You give it to him. He takes it. You no longer have it. You don't have it anymore. God, I sinned. Here it is. Get away from me. Here it is. He goes, so where is it now? I don't have it. It's not on me. Hallelujah. Offensive. Because we feel like, well, surely we should like at least be in the naughty corner for a while. Surely we should pay for that even emotionally for a little while because otherwise how will we learn not to do it again? This is human thinking. I read about that today in Colossians 2. Good, good scripture. A lot of things that we do and even rules and practices we put in place in religion, you know, that have the appearance of wisdom but actually have no power in stopping sin. It's the basics. I've determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified that we've got to hold on to. Hallelujah. When we grab a hold of him and we say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm going to come back to the simplicity of the just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. When we, when we do this, what we are receiving is the humility of Christ. We are receiving the grace of God to humble ourselves and say, thank you, Lord. I need your mercy. Thank you that you've, you've changed my life track. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm a saint. And oh, that doesn't breed arrogance. That breeds worship, thanksgiving, and wants me to get on my face and bless you. Hallelujah. And out of that place, we have peace. We have joy. Hallelujah. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? They didn't pursue the path of faith, but insisted on pursuing righteousness by works as if it could be seized another way. They were offended by the means of obtaining it and stumbled over the stumbling stone. Who is the stumbling stone? That is Jesus. They stumbled over it because it didn't come in a way that they expected. No, like born in a manger in Bethlehem, like, didn't make sense to them, didn't make sense to them. They thought it should, like, be big fanfare and do it, get, you know, throw the Romans out. But Jesus came. He was born in a humble manger. He came and he dwelt on earth, holiness dwelling 
on earth. And now, as he's risen again, he's sent his spirit, the spirit of the Father, the spirit of the, of the Son, to dwell again on earth in a stable, hallelujah, some better looking than others. He's come to live in you and I. And he calls everyone beautiful, holy, clean, because where his light is, darkness goes. He makes that which was crooked straight. And he says, don't call unclean what I've made clean. Hallelujah. You and I have become the righteousness of God in Christ because he's good. And all of this, all of this was done so that you and I could experience the joy of being joined to him, of not living in the fear of not measuring up, not living in the fear of not being good enough, not living in the fear of what's gonna happen, am I doing this on my own, but living with a holy confidence that when I wake up in the morning, I can say, hello, I love you. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you that you're my salvation. Thank you that you're my ever-present help in time of need. Thank you, God, that even if my heart condemns me, you're greater than my heart. I thank you that you are better than I feel like I deserve. Yeah. Hooray. Thank you, God, for your love for me today. Thank you, God, that today I can agree with you. Reckon myself dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ. Thank you that you switched my life track. Thank you, God, that in choosing you, I've been put on a whole different track. And I thank you that you've given me power now to walk in a destiny that you planned and desired for me before the beginning of time. Thank you, Lord, that you, even before I was born, you saw this day coming for me today. And Lord, that you are excited about me being the light of the world because your light would be dwelling in me. Thank you, God, that today when I interact with people, they're going to experience the joy of Jesus. They're going to feel the presence of the kingdom where you and I are seated together. Thank you, God, that even as I now supernaturally am living with you beyond time in heaven with you already, and, and here I am on the earth, I thank you, Lord, that I have the power now to release your peace, your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord, that when I get to talk to people today, they're going to experience your kindness because it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Hooray, God. Hooray that when I get up today, I'm not Catherine having a bad day. I have been crucified with Christ. I can remind myself of this truth. Hooray. You set me free from me. Yay. I don't have to feel guilty about anything. I don't have to receive a definition on my life based on anything I've done or not done. I don't have to be defined by what my parents say about me, what other people might say about me. I don't have to be defined by how I feel about myself. I don't have to be defined by how I think I've performed as a mother, a wife, a pastor, a sister, whatever it is. I don't have to get my definition from my performance, but today I thank you, God, for the simple gospel that says I am defined by Jesus Christ. Thanks God, hooray, that today as you are, 
so am I in this world. Thank you today, Father, that mm, you are with me all the time. In every break, I can lift up my eyes and know that you are there smiling at me. Thank you that I can have confidence that you're not angry at me. You've poured all your anger out on the sin that Jesus took and I am loved. I am forgiven, hallelujah, I'm accepted. In fact, I'm, I'm more loved than I have the capacity to humanly understand. So in every break today, Lord, help me know more of your love for me. Give me supernatural power to experience this love. You know, he's an affectionate God too. And that he invites you right up into his arms. He invites you to walk and talk with him. Sometimes we get this picture of God that, you know, God is, God is holy, we're not, but we're really having a good go. And because of that wrong perception, our interaction with God is filled with fear. And it's filled with this, you know, oh God, I know you're great and I'm nothing, but you know, please help me. Now, God doesn't look for us to be walking with him like that. That's, a, that's the mentality of an orphan. If your children spoke to you like that, you would have concerns and probably take them to a psychologist. If they said, if my kids came to me every day, mom, you're so great, I'm nothing, I'm just nothing, I'm a worm in the dust, but please, will you help me? I need something to eat today. And if you told them, honey, of course I want to feed you. I love you. You're so lovely. Yes, mighty one. I am so nothing. I am so nothing. I am so nothing. I am not, not me. I am nothing. You'd, you'd really have some concerns, right? God is better than any mother or father has ever been to a child. He's a good father. I remember one night, um, I was flying back from Israel to Zurich, and I was going through a really, really difficult season. And there were some really scary things, you know, threatening me. And just for some reason, on the plane that night, I just got overcome with fear. It doesn't normally happen, but it was just, oh, it hit me. I, was, I got so fearful, which is completely out of character. I got so fearful that I started to cry quietly. And I was praying, God, help me, God, help me. I feel my Bible, talk to me, help me, help me, God, help me. And then the plane landed and I got off the airplane, walked up the gangplank, and there was this big advertisement on the side. It was for an investment bank. But the only words on, you know, in bold print on this big side and the only ad as you walk up was, am I a good father? It's a picture of a man with his hand in the head and its head's thinking to himself, am I a good father? It was obviously uh, an ad, you know, for people. I don't even know what it was about. But, <laughs> but these were the words that all that I could see, am I a good father? And as soon as I heard it, as soon as I saw it, I could feel the father put his arm around me and go, am I a good father? You know I am. I'll take care of you. You've got nothing to worry about. I love you. I'm with you. Because this is the sort of relationship he has with us. 
This is the sort of relationship he wants to have with us. You don't have to pretend. In your weakness, he loves to be strong. In your fear, he loves to manifest his love to cast out all your fear. He wants to be more close to you. He wants to be closer to us than any person, any family member, any spouse. No human can give you what God wants to give you and that is a confidence that you are utterly loved, completely safe in his arms and that you will never, ever have to walk alone. Hallelujah. This is the blessing of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit who is continually urging us to come into agreement with what heaven's saying about us. Hallelujah. My prayer for you today is that you would respond to this magnificent mercy. It's a gift into relation, it's, a, it's an invitation into relationship. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin so that we could become righteous, so that we could be part of the family. It was the qualification needed for us to be joined to God and have everlasting life. Hallelujah, eternal life with him, now and forever. It was an invitation into a family where we would experience continuous joy, hallelujah. But that invitation is one that we've got to respond to. All of these magnificent promises, all the, the heart of the Father is that we would know him, that we would receive from him his gift of mercy, his gift of righteousness so that we could become new on the inside. God wants to change your life track. You can go on one track, try to live a good life, but you're trying to find another way. And the Bible says, no man comes to the Father but by me. No one, nothing, no philosophy can get you what you need to have your life track changed, to have you joined to God. Without holiness, no one can see God and no one can achieve holiness without receiving the gift of Jesus Christ, the mercy and the righteousness of God, hallelujah. So today, if you're here and you say, I wanna respond to the mercy of God, I wanna give my life to Christ. You know, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. But the good news is that the, the Father doesn't want anyone to perish. So he's making all of creation try to get your attention. These beautiful, sunny Queensland days. God created them, trying to get your attention, to make you think about, I wonder if there's somebody who made that. He's, he's working to try to get your attention in the hope that you would respond and say, God, I wanna know you. I wanna receive your mercy. I need forgiveness. I need you to take away my crookedness and give me a new heart. I want to be joined to God. I wanna be in fellowship with God. I wanna know him. I, want to, I wanna receive this new life in Christ. And if that's you today, I'd love to pray with you before we pray for anyone else today. If that's you and you say, yes, I wanna respond to the mercy of God, the Bible says that if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. It's such a powerful thing. Let me see you. Is there anyone here who says, yeah, that's me? I wanna to respond to the mercy of Christ. 
Hallelujah. I'd love to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If anyone's watching online too, we want to be able to just, I want you to know, you can look in the word of God, you can look in the scripture and see that Jesus makes it simple. All you have to do is believe that he died, he rose again, and now he offers you resurrection life if you'll exchange your sin for his gift of mercy, his gift of righteousness. So if you would just pray this after me. Father God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to be punished in my place. I need mercy, Lord. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life. Give me a new heart. Change my life track and help me to know you. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, that you receive me now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, hallelujah. Well, we're gonna pray for some people right now. I'm gonna ask uh, Pastor Joel and Mark and Daniel if you wanna come. Pastor Daniel had a word on Friday night, I think. Was it Friday night? About someone that lived by the water in another state and that had something to do with a number 78 and he had a word for them. And then someone came up afterwards and said, yes, I, I lived in Lennox Heads on the water and my postcode was something, something 78. Hallelujah, it was so beautiful and it was such a powerful word. So I love um, the way that God uses signs and wonders just to really confirm uh, the gifts of God. He's so, so wonderful. Hallelujah. That's me just spilling. I spill sometimes because I run out of words. That's okay because the Bible says that when we pray in an unknown tongue, the Holy Spirit's praying through us exactly the perfect will of the Father. That's awesome. Um, last week we prayed for a few people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking with new tongues. Is anyone here that received that? Give me a wave if you received tongues for the first time last week. I know there were a few of you. Give me a little wave just so I can see. Let me see your hand. Oh, there was a few of you here. You know, I want to encourage you. If you... Um, if you haven't yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just ask the Father. He wants to give you a prayer language that's just so, so powerful. And every day, if you, if you speak in other tongues, I want to encourage you, every day use it. Because if you attach your faith to the truth that when I'm praying in the Spirit, the Bible says that I am, um, the Holy Spirit is praying through me, for me, in perfect harmony with the will of the Father, it's such a glorious thing. You're actually agreeing with heaven and causing heaven and earth to collide. You're causing the gates of, of your heart and the gates of earth to be opened because you've been given the keys of the kingdom. God's declaring, this is what I want. And when you say, and you open your mouth and you start to come into agreement with his will, you are then permissioning it to happen here on earth. Hallelujah. It's very, very powerful. So we need to be praying in the spirit. We need to be declaring. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. 
We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.